0: Hello, welcome back to Awakening and Aligned. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Megan Dickerson.
1: And my name is Lena Jennings. And here we are in our six part series of Where I Hide in Purpose. And today we are talking about the process of discovery. This is the process where after we hit rock bottom, we go on this journey to finding ourselves, to finding something more and finding something greater. And Megan and I have prepared um, an awesome just topic for us to talk about and a journey that's near and dear to my heart that I find myself in continuously season over season, questioning myself, learning more about myself and really expanding my repertoire of interest, expanding my uh, discipline and my discernment in this season of my life. And I'm so excited to talk with you about it today to learn more about your process of discovery.
0: Oh, I love it. I know discovery, as you said, is it's not just in one season. I believe discovery is something that transcends seasons, that transcends time, that transcends even just one single experience. And to discover means to be on this path and kind of unexpectedly find something or unexpectedly find someone. And I think this was a perfect step from our first episode in that you talked about how On this path, once you got to rock bottom, as seemingly hard as it was, and you're pulling to hold on to these things, you found yourself again. And I love that. And I think that's what this process of discovery is. And even though I felt for my path that my life turned upside down just in one night, I loved rock bottom because it was time to be at ground level again. It was time to turn over those stones to see. What was going to stick? What was faulty in my path?
1: And by turning over the stones, what do you mean by that? Like what stones were turned over and and who was turning over those stones? And and what did that look like in reality? Like, what did that look like? (laughs) That's a great
0: question. I think it's a hard question to answer too, because I think with every season, there's different stones to uncover. And at the root of that, though, for me, it was finding who I was and how I wanted to show up in the world. And what I needed to heal, but most of all, you know, it's it's discovering what no longer works for you, what no longer serves you, the the parts in your path that do not bring harmony or have some dissonance, what things are distracting to you, what things are dysfunctional, but also yeah. what are the things that are working, and being honest with yourself about those answers in order to move yeah. forward. Um, and through that process of what you are discovering, what I think God is trying to bring out of you is the courage to continue to have faith in him. And so that's kind of what, um, my process of discovery has looked like, but I'm curious to know, like, what does that look like in your path?
1: For me, it was springboarded and catapulted when I started therapy, when I first started going to therapy and I had another sound voice, in my mind with me to help me work through a lot of things. And she started questioning me, questioning the things that I did, the ways in which I responded, the ways in which I interacted, the relationships that I carried, the things that I committed to, she questioned everything. And for that first time, I thought I was perfect. I thought I had it figured out. I thought I, I knew what I was doing. And to have someone else to share in that that vision, to share in my, my journey and my swim with, um, found out that I was literally in the middle of the ocean, just panting, just trying to go somewhere. And I was spelling energy, just to expel energy, trying to look like I have it together. And I've been, she, I remember she described me as a duck, um, a duck gliding across the water. And on the top, I'm super graceful and I have it all together. But at the bottom, my feet are just going like this, working overtime, but I'm still, I'm still gliding. I'm still gliding, but internally, here I am. I'm stressing, I'm stressing, I'm stressing. And that's exactly what I was. And sometimes when I find myself and my, my least authentic self and the most my self that's most not like me is when I am I'm a duck, I'm gliding, I'm grateful, I have it all together and I'm dancing. Um and that was probably the biggest thing that helped me realize that like I'm going overboard is when I had a sound, sounding board outside of myself, outside of my limited way of thinking to say like, this isn't healthy, this isn't okay. And so that's kind of where that correction kind of came in is where I surrounded myself with a therapist I surrounded myself with spiritual leaders who were able to pour into me. I surrounded myself with people who were on the right path and who had already gone through this discovery work themselves. Um, and they were able to see me in a different light. And that was incredibly helpful. Um, a lot of journaling. For me, like journaling was my saving grace. And it started when I studied abroad and I took myself out of my own comfort zone and I decided to live abroad in Madrid, Spain. And while I was abroad, everything that was comfortable was away from me. My family, my relationships, my friendships, my my routine, my routes that I took every day to do my day-to-day things, my favorite grocery store, like everything was just taken away. And I was plummeted into a new environment. And in that new environment, it felt weird. And so I wanted to document that my feelings of adapting and adjusting to a new environment. And that morphed into, how's my heart posture today? How am I feeling? Am I stressed or anxious? And then I remember like getting to a point where like I was super anxious. And throughout the day when I didn't have my journal with me, I would just take a moment and pause and it just, Lena, like, what are you feeling right now? Like, why are you anxious? I would literally just put my hand on my heart and just ask myself, why are you anxious? Like what's wrong? Yeah. Um, And those are the moments where I was able to check in with myself to understand how I was reacting so I could kind of uh, suppress the secondary emotion of kind of like anger, frustration, jealousy, bitterness, rage, whatever it may be, um, and really get to the root, the primary emotion of like, I'm feeling forgotten. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I'm unloved. I'm, I'm feeling just unaccomplished. I'm feeling unmotivated. Those are all the ones that are harder to admit. It's easier to display anger than it is to display loneliness and display a feeling of being in love. Like I can do that easily, but to tell someone, Megan, I feel really unloved today. That's a whole other conversation. And so a lot of questioning, a lot of examining, and a lot of just kind of reacting and, and counter reacting on the inside of like, okay, life is happening going around you, but like what are you going to make of it? What are you going to do with it and how are you going to, Transform it for your good because the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I knew I was called. I knew that I, I loved Him. I grew up loving Him. Um, I didn't have an active loving relationship with Him in that moment in time, but I knew I was called and I knew that I loved Him. So I knew that all things are going to work together for my good. And so, mm-hmm. with those two things put together, I had to find the good and searching for the good in the midst the chaos was really hard but it was through journaling and through questioning that correction that I was able to see see the stillness in the middle of the storm and be anchored in the middle of the storm even though my boat was rocking wow I wish I had been that graceful <laughs> during my time of Lisa, I was like a duck a duck literally a duck <laughs> oh my gosh I love that
0: I would say mine was a little bit different though in that it was like almost like a series of 21 questions with God but like not 21 questions to guess one thing (laughs) it was just like every single scenario in a deck of like do you want to deal with this do you want to deal with this how are you going to deal with this what are you going to do with this situation do you feel like putting up with this anymore do you really want to be here anymore but God was giving me that power giving me that power to make my own decisions to forge my own path like not that it was like this this test or game but I feel like God is so funny in this way sometimes of like How are you going to choose to move forward now? Do you want to keep paddling or do you want to grow into a swan and kind of just gracefully glide? And that's what I think, even though tactically I was trying to make my own decisions, God was still giving me bits and pieces during this time of discovery. It was not like I knew at all what the answers were. It was still collecting bit by bit along the way to kind of see really what was sticking, what was really not for me what I really had yeah. to let go of, even
1: though I maybe didn't yeah. wanna let go of it. I was gonna say, I love how you said 21 questions with God because that's really how it is because you were just so confused of like, okay, rock bottom, here I am. But like, where do I go? Like, I'm literally at the bottom of this thing. Where do I go? How do I go there? And like, if we had all of the answers, I would have said no a long time ago. If I knew that I was going to be doing this, that, and a third, speaking and talking and proclaiming my faith and being vulnerable and talking about my insecurities and talking about my panic attacks, like, oh, I've been like, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't do this. I don't do this at all. And if we had that foresight into what was happening right now, we would have said no to the call a long time ago. But also, if we had that foresight into what was happening right now, wouldn't have the faith that we have currently to get us to this point because faith Mm. is the absence of things not seen and the substance of things hoped for so if we did see it that's not faith that's truth but like i feel like truth is the opposite no 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 jesus is the way the truth and the light so what am i trying to say i just like i feel like knowledge sometimes is the opposite of faith of like having to know having to have it all figured out And sometimes Mm. chaos is more comfortable than stillness and peace because we're so used to going, going, going. We're so used to living life on the edge. We're so used to just living this life of dysfunction and chaos and just utter utter insanity sometimes, for lack of a better term, because that's what we've been conditioned to do. That's what we've been doing for the past 10 years. That's what we've been doing for the past two years, like two days, two hours, and we get comfortable in it. And it gets to be familiar and whatever is familiar, we want to stay in it because we don't like change. Um, and that's kind of where I found myself in. I found my pla- myself in a place of comfort, um, comfort and a place of comfort being that I was unhappy. I was confused, I was lost, but I didn't know that. I wasn't aware that I was unhappy confused or lost because I wasn't exposed to anything different and because I didn't necessarily question my surroundings and didn't question what was and it wasn't until I got outside perspectives of people who weren't living in the muck and the mire with me on the day-to-day and they were like um that's not normal or like this shouldn't be happening or like you shouldn't really be feeling this way and I'm like what do you mean like this is normal like this is my normal and it wasn't until those outside perspectives came in and exposed me to something different exposed me to a new way of thinking and i got exposed to a new way of feeling that i was like oh i can't go back to that like i don't know where i'm going but i just can't go back to that and that is that was kind of my process of discovery at a high level overview of just like i knew no better and because i didn't know better i didn't do better and i didn't have better and i didn't experience better because I thought what I had was great. Yes, I wholeheartedly think I know where you're coming
0: from in that statement. What's kind of funny is that this last month I was reading the book Fix It Jesus by Sophia Reed and she's a newer author and so it was just kind of a fun read and the entire book is really about being intentional in your season of singleness yeah. but it also is about identifying these places of where you find this false sense of security. And I love this quote that she uses that says, find out what's already in your heart, examine yourself, and who you are as a person says, read. And the reason this quote was impactful for me um, was just because that's what discovery was. It's, it was not just the stripping away of everything that wasn't working. Yeah. It was learning to love myself again. The Bible tells us you can only love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, right? Like love your neighbor as yourself. And what does that mean? It meant, was I giving myself the grace that God gives me? Am I giving me the kind of love that God gives me? And that was just a small part of like this season of singleness. But again, identifying where I shelter. And that's why I used this title for this season of where I hide, in both letters to God and this, because it was time to identify what those places were for me. Was it relationships, yeah. how I talk to myself, what I yeah. allow in my life, what what positions and paths I want to be intentional about being in moving forward, or understanding how God has positioned me um, and not, not leaning on my own understanding to, I guess, mm-hmm. reflect what I thought it was,
1: uncovering or discovering if that makes sense. I think that is so incredibly important to think about just this notion of introspection of figuring out where you are right here right now and it's one thing to just kind of know where you're going but in order to get to where you're going you have to know where you are right now and I think of a GPS where when you're putting in directions like okay I want to go to the post office and the only way that your GPS can direct you to the post office is if you choose where your current location is. Mm-hmm. And I want to do this, I want to thrive in my purpose, but here I am right here right now. And that's the key part about this discovery phase is discovering where you are right now, discovering kind of the things that are of God, the things that are not of God, discovering the things that make you you and discovering the things that, have, that you've picked up along the way that aren't even you, but you just pick them up as identities because you had nothing else to cling to. And for me, my my hardest thing in that moment in time was discovering that I wasn't perfect. Like (laughs) me being this type A, like Enneagram three type personality, it was the hardest thing to learn and hear negative feedback from people of like, no, this isn't right. Or like, this isn't good. And I've been good all my life. And so to to hear those messages, to hear those to hear to hear those bits of correction come to me, it was a really hard pill to swallow because I I it sounds so weird and cocky to say, but like I never really get good negative feedback. Um and to receive negative feedback was incredibly soul crushing to me because I thought I failed. I thought that I was doing something wrong, I thought that I could be better, I thought that all of these things were, that were counterintuitive to the identity that I clung to, I thought the opposite of myself. And in the season of discovery, it was a huge season of correction. And it was correction from spiritual leaders. It was correction from mentors. It was correction from people who were where I wanted to be, but they saw something in me of like, okay, we got a trim right here. We got to trim here. We got to trim here. And even just yesterday, like Yesterday I got correction from someone who I, I just genuinely respect and admire and appreciate. And they told me about myself. And I was like, here I am like three years after my rock bottom and here I am like thinking about and prepping for this episode today of, of discovery. And here I am, someone correcting me, someone kind of telling me that I need to change and I need to do something differently. And that was hard to hear to this day, told me the truth about myself that I wasn't really willing to see or acknowledge. And with him revealing that blind spot to me, I was able to make myself better. I was able to kind of see myself in that way, in that light and understand like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're right. Like, maybe I do have this tendency or maybe I am doing this a little too much and imperfectively I need to be held accountable for it. And in the end, that's only going to make me better. It's hard to hear, but I know that it's going to make me better. The Bible talks about kind of any discipline of any kind isn't enjoyable in the moment, but afterwards you see that it was it was purposeful. Mm-hmm. I just uh, used that Bible verse two weeks ago
0: in my letters to oh. God prayer for that oh. reason because it's it's it things can be hard to hear. Um, but I would say I relate with you in the way that it did also represent this season of corrections, making these corrections. Because once I was at a point where, like I said, it felt like my life completely flipped upside down, literally overnight. You know, I had to leave my job that I had in LA. And so I no longer have an income. I had to leave, you know, my entire life down in LA. And so I'm like, this is not where I expected to be. Why am I here? But it wasn't about the position necessarily that I was in physically. It was also about what it represented to be home for me, what that little girl looked like, who people knew me to be as. And like you, I've always tried to be great at everything that I do, but it wasn't really coming out of a place of just pure competitiveness. It was out of me having to prove to myself that I was good enough. And so while I was in this world where everybody thought I had this perfect life or I was always articulate and presented myself well, and I was good at everything I did and nothing seemingly was hard for me. I was struggling to maintain that image. You know what I mean? I was overcompensating or trying to cope with with me feeling like I wasn't enough. And so I, I felt like even when I was at home, I still wasn't at peace because I was not yet where I wanted to be. I still had so much more correcting to do. And that's what I mean by we can only love our neighbor as we love Ourself because nothing was going to change until I started to identify where I needed to heal. And it's so interesting that you you talk about these disciplines again, because even then I would say I was not disciplined in my faith. I would say that this point of discovery, as we continue to experience it, is, is still here next to rock bottom, right? It's not here where we're close to where our purpose is (laughs) right we just took a little baby step forward to start asking these questions it was not okay walking freely now I'm good to go um it's been hard it was challenging and a, a lot around you changes and so yeah I remember it was so bizarre because have I mean I say my life was flipped upside down, but I don't know if there's ever been a time in your life where you really are standing there and you're like, whoa, I don't know what just happened, but I cannot feel the ground beneath me. I cannot feel, I don't know where the walls are. I feel like I'm swimming and just going in circles and I don't want to feel like this anymore. And so about a week after I got home, this was like two years ago, I got really sick. I got really, really sick. I was hospitalized, had to come home. I had intense fevers and and total body aches and pain. And this one night I had the most bizarre dream I think I've ever had in my entire life. And it was, so in high school, one of my friend, one of my really close friends, he graduated, but I was a senior and it was his first year of college and he committed suicide. And so I always took that really hard because I remembered him texting me a week before and I wasn't able to respond because I was always so busy keeping myself in this chaos. And I didn't, I was like, oh my gosh, like, could I have done anything? You know what I mean? Um, But during this dream, my friend came to visit me and That was so bizarre because I, I mean, I obviously don't remember the full dream, but I remember my dream brought me back to my high school and I was walking around my high school in the library and it was set up kind of like the, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, those movies we used to watch, you would see like the football team pictures in the cases with the jerseys and the trophies and then the basketball team or the basketball team, the football team, the track team, whatever it was. And so that's how the high school was set up, although that's not how my high school necessarily was set up. But I was on a date for whatever reason and I'm walking along the library and everybody's gathered, you know, greeting each other, catching up. And in the back of the case, I see my friend and I'm on this date and I'm like, do you see, do you see like him right there? And they're like looking at me crazy no, I don't know what you're talking about. Are you talking about the person of the picture? And I'm like, no, you don't see a person like in the glass case. And they're like, no. So we keep walking around and I keep seeing my friend and I'm like, how do you not? I'm mad at this point. Like, how do you not see him? How do you not see him? He's right there. And so we continue walking into the main foyer and in the middle of the entire library is this huge glass case. You can see through it, it has perfect lighting, but on the outside, it looks like just a display to everyone. Like all these little angels are sitting around playing instruments, one's playing the harp and my friend walks into the glass case. But what I can see inside the glass case are all these angels weeping and they're playing these instruments and I see my friend and they're all crying over him. And I woke up and I started immediately crying because I'm, I was just in shock. I just felt yeah. like my heart just hurt and was so heavy, but I also didn't know why the heck I was having this dream. Like my life made no sense at this point at all. And so I wake up and kind of just casually tell my mom this dream and she's like kind of brushes it off that I didn't really share it with anybody because it was one of those things that it was like, what the heck? Like, what are you dreaming of? Why are you having this weird, bizarre dream Um, And I didn't know what it meant. And so fast forward kind of a year and a half, two years into this process, I still did not know yet that I wanted to really be intentional in this path of my faith. I didn't know that one day I wanted to teach and preach and, and speak to people about my experiences, but not just the pretty parts of faith, like the reality of what it's like to walk in your faith. With the, re- the reality of the struggle of this process of discovery yeah. and understanding who you are and what God's trying to bring forth in your life, even when it doesn't make sense to you. And so there was this one day letters to God had just come out. Um, awakened in the line was not even a thought. And I was telling, I was sharing it with one of my best friends because I'm like, does this sound weird? Is it weird? I'm praying in front of everybody. And that was my only sense of like affirmation from the people that were around me. But that day, for whatever reason, like my one best friend was like mocking me and they were making fun of me and, and she, like, I don't know, assuming how the Holy Spirit hit somebody and it, I just felt so offended. But I also knew it at that time that I was in a season of learning how to handle adversity with more grace. And so I remember being in that car, kind of removing myself from the situation, thinking this isn't about me this isn't about me, this isn't about me, don't react, just, you know, bite your tongue, and when I'm sitting there telling myself this, God reminds me of this dream, like a year and a half later, and I thought that that was so odd, because I'm like, why am I remembering this dream right now, and my friend's basically making fun of me, and I'm mad, and I don't want to be here anymore, that's the weirdest dream I've ever had, but at the end of my dream, before I woke up, I looked to my date, and I said, you don't see what I see, and in that moment, I remember thinking, you don't see what I see. And so I was so intrigued by like the fact that I remembered this dream in this moment. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Is there somewhere in the Bible that says you don't see what I see? Like there has to be. So I just go to Google and I'm like, okay, you don't see what I see, Bible verse. And the first thing that pops up is Matthew chapter 13. And for those of you that are not as familiar with your Bible, that's okay. We're all still practicing and learning. That is a parable of the sower. And so, Lena, I don't know if you have it in front of you, yes. but I would, I would love for you to kind of just pick up Matthew chapter 13 and start at verse
1: 15. For this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. But verse 16 says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. 17, for truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And we go into verse 18 that says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And verse 20 finally says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy.
0: So I read this and I was just like, what? What? God was giving me Bible verses and I did not even know it. And while it was still a bizarre dream and it was still a bizarre experience for me, not only did I find a sense of courage in my faith, but it also helped me realize in God's terms, in God's time of what it means to have a promise in the purpose of the path that you're on. There's always a promise and the purpose. I think this Bible parable really highlights is finding what you are rooted in, right? If you're rooted yeah. in your faith, then things are not going to wash away as easily if, but if you're not, they're going to fall away pretty quickly. And I think that yeah. goes not just for you and your path, but also who's around you and what's around you. And this question that you and I had in preparing for this conversation or two questions we had in preparing for this conversation where, you know, who told you that you had to be a certain way and why, and who told you that you had to be perfect and, and
1: when. Reminds me of the story of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. And, Eve bites of the forbidden fruit of knowledge. She bites into the fruit and she gets all of this knowledge of good and evil. She gets all of the knowledge that like human beings can't even fathom because it's just too much. And the first question that God asked man was, where are you? They realized that they were naked. Mm -hmm. And so they hid. They hid and God knowing everything knew where they are, but they still asked, he still asked. Adam and Eve, where are you? And they said, well, we were hiding over here because we were naked. The second question that asked man, Um, who told you? Yeah, sorry. Who told you you were naked? Like, who told you you were naked? What, like, what do you even know about that? Like, where did you even learn that word from type thing? And I, I love those two questions and thinking about this discovery process of like, God questions us back equally and we have to be vulnerable and honest and transparent enough to like answer them truthfully. Because it's in the truth that it sets us free. And it's in that freedom that we are able to discover our purpose and make a difference. Mm-hmm. And there's four tenets that my church um, bases our ministry on. It's, it's know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and make a difference. And it's in that order that you can only discover your purpose unless you, until you can only discover your purpose when you know God and you find that freedom by discovering the truth of where you are, discovering the truth of who told you all these things and what beliefs and mindsets you hold, then you'll discover your purpose. And once you discover your purpose, you will always make a difference because purpose is never for you. Absolutely. It's so
0: bizarre that you are even breaking this up right now because I've been studying this the last three weeks and why I have been back at Adam and Eve at the beginning Um, I'm not quite sure yet, but it's, it's bringing up these exact themes. And so I was thinking about not just exactly what you're talking about of who told you and discovering your purpose, but so often the only thing we really focus on or get out of that message is original sin, right? We have the power to choose, but I think that the part that we, we don't always emphasize is that trusting in God, that he knows all and that we don't need to know everything in that moment or at that time and knowing that there still is a plan even when we can't see it even though you know God is going to put us in these positions along the way that are maybe uncomfortable or they don't make sense or they don't really relate to you know where we are going like I've said you know it's 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 bringing out these different not just I don't even know how to say tools but parts of who we are um, and, and getting closer to exactly what you just said of, of why we're here,
1: what our purpose is, and what we originally were meant to be. Yeah, what we originally meant to be, and I, I kind of think about, like, if, if Adam and Eve didn't eat from the forbidden fruit, like, how would we have been? How would humanity have been treated, and how would our relationship with God, like, what would it be like? Um, but it it's not, and it's not something I can't even fathom, but I do believe that kind of in the moments of being in the garden in, of Eden, you see so much vulnerability and transparency and walking with God, like consistent walking with God, where the Bible says that Adam walked in the cool of the night with God. And it's just like, it's that, that one-on-one intimate relationship that you have with God. And because of original sin, we were separated from God. And I, like, I think this moment of discovery is, like, if whether we know it or not, it's that moment of us trying to find God, trying to get reconnected back to that higher power, so we can walk in the cool of the night, so we can have stillness, so we can be transparent and vulnerable and honest with God, but also in others, of, like, it's the, kind of that angel saying, like, the God in me sees the God in you, like, God is in every single one of us, and I so strongly believe that when you connect with other people, like you're connecting with God, like God is the energy that brings two people together. And I I just think about this process of discovery. It's knowing yourself, it's knowing others, and it's knowing God. Tangentially, like all three at the same time of like, you discover all three of those things simultaneously when you are in this moment of discovery. And it's such a beautiful process that I feel like I can't really even put into accurate words to represent. But it, it's like you're discovering yourself at the same time you're discovering God. And at the exact same time, again, you're discovering other people in a new way, in a new light, and you're able to connect deeper with people. You're able to like bring more to a conversation where you're able to bypass all the surface level things. And this process of discovery is so beautiful because, as we mentioned earlier, it doesn't stop happening. It happens in so many different seasons of your life and multiple times. And it's like you could be in the journey the journey of purpose in one area right here but another journey right here and like here i am in rock bottom in this area of my life but here i am in discovery in this area of my life and it's so beautiful and so intricate and complex but like that's the joy of being human like like we get to discover our purpose whereas like birds they serve their purpose. They have one purpose between all the birds on earth and all the bees on earth. They serve a great purpose and so incredibly important, but we get the opportunity to discover our purpose. And that's why discovery is my favorite part because the world is our oyster. Like we can create a new identity in this discovery process and become more of who God created us and called us to be.
0: Yes. Amen. And just to build off of what you're saying again of you know, we're not, we're not birds, but also knowing that God has given you that promise and your purpose, right? That we we brought up before and that the birds don't stress about really how they're going to eat. They know that they're going to eat. They know that God's going to give them everything they need. They don't really worry about flying. And it's just like us. We don't worry about the sun coming up in the morning and the sun going down at the end of the day it's we know that there are some things that are our promise to us and that's the same thing with the promise god has planted inside your path inside your purpose and so as we go along in this process of discovery it's having the courage to remember that and to hold on to your faith and so while that's not always so easy in practice and it's not so easy to summarize in from a tactical standpoint like how to take steps forward through that it's it's just knowing that in your heart but I'm excited to continue to expand this conversation into part three, which is going to be the walk. <laughs> so yes. do you want to tell them a little bit about what to expect
1: for it? Part three, Lita? I mean, expect more honesty and vulnerability on our end, but really the walk is the moment of, okay, you go through the, this discovery, you discover kind of what it is in a vague broad sense of what you were called to do. And then it, it is that acceptance and the resistance simultaneously of like, okay, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, but like, ooh, wait, I'm being vulnerable, this is uncomfortable, <laughs> this is awkward, I don't like this. Yeah. And it's it's maneuvering that um, like sticky taffy for a sense of like you're walking in it, but it's like, ooh, this is sticky, I don't like this, let me just back up. But it's like, I, I can't, I can't move from it, but I, I'm resisting it. Um, and that's what the walk is gonna be about, and that's what we're gonna explore um, next episode. So I cannot wait for you all to join us. Um, if you missed episode uh, one about rock bottom, definitely check us out on awakenedinaligned.com to view those previous episodes. And we will see you next week or week after, to <laughs> yeah, week after it. <laughs> yeah, See you then. Bye. Ta-da!